0: To read the personality is definitely a way of self-awareness. And when you have more self-awareness, you definitely get more self-confidence. You have more ideas of what you can do with yourself in your life. And that's why to be the mirror of someone as a face reader is a very helpful tool.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a network-wise podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. My next guest is someone I'm very excited to bring to you for one simple reason. He has the capability of doing the one thing that every person in this world wishes they could do. Life is complex. Think about some of the most common questions that come up in life, whether consciously or subconsciously. What line of work is best for me? Is what I'm doing now the right fit? How can I make my relationship with a certain person stronger? Why am I always so tired? Am I healthy? Can I trust this person? Is this person telling the truth? How could I understand this person or situation better? What can I do to be happier? We all wish there was some magic place that we could go that has all the answers. My next guest found that magic place with all the answers. For Eric's standoff, the only thing more obvious than what's in front of your face is your face itself. Eric is a world-renowned face reader. He works with celebrities, entrepreneurs, Governments, police departments, and people from all walks of life to answer their most personal burning questions. He can answer all the questions I just listed and a whole lot more with an extremely high level of precision, all by looking at your face. It's a guarantee that he knows more about you than you do. He works as an advisor for all different kinds of people to make sure they're on the right path. In this episode, you'll learn about what it takes to be a face reader, what it means to be a face reader, how much you can truly learn from reading the face, and steps that you can take to become a face reader yourself. Plus, you'll learn about building stronger relationships, both personal and professional, and hear some great stories about what Eric has been able to learn about the various people he's read during his years of globetrotting. So without further ado, it gives me great pleasure to allow you to be a fly on the wall during my conversation with my good friend, Eric Standop. Enjoy. You're a face reader. Mm-hmm.
0: What does mm-hmm. that mean? Well, to be a face reader means I'm totally focused on a face of a human. Being focused on the face of a human means this is my main center of attention. And by the way, that's for everyone the case. But for me, it's even by conscious So anything that the face is sending out via an expression or as a feature is for me of high interest because for me, that is an information. Mm. And I grab any information I can get to have a better understanding of a situation or a person.
1: And what can a face tell you?
0: I would say almost everything. I would have to think about what a face cannot tell me. So because a face is connected with everything, the face is connected with your brain. So you can read in a face thoughts. You can read expectations, emotions, feelings. The face is connected with your organs. That's why we can read health. We can say, oh, wow, you don't look good. What's going on? So we have a connection from the face to all the five senses we have because the five senses are located in our face. So in terms of smelling, tasting, feeling, touching, and so on, it's all centered in the face. So it makes a lot sense to read the face and not read the hand or the back or the foot, which is also an information, of course. But for me, it makes more sense to read the face. I mean, we are obsessed by faces. You see this kind of movement going on everywhere. People take pictures of so-called faces. They found a face on Mars and then they found a face in the kitchen, but it's not, of course, not a face. It's kind of an electronic instrument or something. Yeah, we are obsessed by faces.
1: Well, I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) And then what about, I mean, you tell people things about their, well, actually, why don't you tell me what are some of the things that you tell people when you're hired
0: to be an advisor? Exactly. So this is really depends on my client. So clients hire me for different reasons. Let's take the main topics. A big topic is definitely personality and character. Of course, people think they know who they are, but they don't know who they are because in some situations we act in a way we didn't even expect it. And we're very surprised when our daughter or son or even the husband acts in a different way that we've never expected. Because there's always kind of a, let's say 20%, that is totally unknown for ourselves. Even I'm surprised sometimes by myself how I act in a different kind of way. And that's why making experiences is so important to become experienced. So to read the personality is definitely a way of self-awareness. And when you have more self-awareness, you definitely get more self-confidence. You have more ideas of what you can do with yourself in your life. And that's why to be the mirror of someone as a face reader is a very helpful tool. And I have to say that face readers usually make a difference between the personality and the character. Face readers say a personality is given by birth. Babies already have personality. Although in the brain, nothing really dramatic happens. No school, no teaching, but they have a personality and they already have talents. While the character is what we develop over the years, and the character is very much linked to school culture, mom and dad, friends, experiences. So the character might not always match the personality. If it's matching 100%, we are authentic For most people, it overlaps, like I would say 60, 70, 80%. But interesting is that for some, it overlaps. And for others, the character is far away from the personality. So face readers don't believe that any baby is born as a killer. So if you develop the character that at one day is a serial killer, well, then something must have happened in between. So to read the character is then more to read about what's going on now, not what is your true potential or your talent. And a character reading is then something that I would not so often do for organizations or for companies or personal session. I would read that more for law enforcement then because the police is not interested if you have a talent for singing. They want to know, <laughs> did you kill this guy or not? Yeah, yeah. So that is one thing that I can read, personality and character. And that gives you a lot of insight about yourself and helps you to make the right decision at a certain point in your life.
1: So are you able to tell somebody, go into the granularity of how much you can tell somebody about their personality and their character?
0: Sometimes challenged by a face as well, because there might be so many contradictions. So I have to find my way through that as well. I only receive the information and then I might have tons of information and try to find my way through. So I would say on an average, I would say I can read 80 to 90% of a personality, and uh, depending on the situation, the character is very obvious because that's the funny thing about it. We very often hide the personality with the help of our character because the character is a role. This is something we've developed over the years. I'm a nice guy. No, you're not. Because this and that. Oh, no, no. Look closer. So the character is what we try to give to the people, to show to the people, while the personality, we are sometimes afraid because we're vulnerable or that's really me, oh. So I would say 89% is possible, and then I'm surprised as well. Wow, that's fascinating.
1: What are typically the driving forces that pull people away from being their true self?
0: The driving force is very often a subconscious force. It is a force implemented by the society or by the parents because they have special expectations for that kid. I remember I had a reading, it's described in my book, where a German lawyer and a Russian ballet dancer, they got married and they have a kid. And I met them in Thailand in a health retreat. And I was sitting with them almost every night together for dinner. And one day he said, Eric, I want you to read our baby tomorrow. And I said, listen, it's a baby. Come on. I I cannot read too much. That might be a five-minute reading. Not an hour or six hours can go up to six hours, right? So they said, "Ah, if it's just five minutes, please do. And I knew... I should do, although I don't do baby readings, come on. But I knew it's not about the baby, it's about them. This was my feeling. So I went to the villa, bungalow, and I started reading the baby for a few minutes for myself. First of all, I made notes, and they were already discussing. So he said, I want that girl to be the follower in my lawyer company. I want her to be the CEO of the company. And the mom said, no, no, our daughter will be a beautiful, amazing girl and later on wife. And I want her to learn the piano and dance and all those creative female stuff. And I was listening with one ear and looked on the baby and I could see a little bit that is related to the forehead lines that babies have, they later on lose. And the forehead line said something, well, I'm adventurous, I want to travel the world. I am a person of service. I want to be social. I want to interact. I want to give things to the people. So that looked to me more like a humanitarian, like a, she might end up in a. We do not know. I don't want to predict too much. So, but it was definitely not what both of them had in mind. And this is then what I told them. I said, well, it could be that this kid is teaching you, the two of you, in your expectations and all that. My request and my, not my request, my recommendation is please, Don't push that kid too far to limits and boundaries where that kid is not really belonging to. You should give that kid a chance to develop the true identity Mm. based on the personality, not based on your expectations. They were not happy. (laughs) The next day, the next day before they left the the health retreat, the father came and said, you know what, Eric? I argued with my wife the whole night. At one point I gave up. I tell you one thing. I don't know what my wife expects, but I tell you one thing. If that girl is not interested in law and justice and all that stuff, she can do whatever she wants because my father wanted me to be a lawyer and that's what I did. And why do I force my own kid now to do the same thing although that kid might not have a talent for that? I applaud it.
1: Is that normal?
0: No. I don't think it's normal in the world, but I think it's a little bit more normal for the people I meet. Hmm. Because when people come to me, they have a question and they want advice. And if the advice is well delivered, they take that in charge and say, yeah, well, that sounds pretty uh, reasonable. Let's do this, or let's discuss it. And for that reason, it's more normal. Yeah, but all in all, not.
1: Wow, so how often do people come to you thinking that they're seeking one question, but you end up giving them an answer to something that they weren't even prepared for?
0: That is a very good question I've never been asked before. First of all, a guide for face reader is don't give answers on things you're not asked for. So let's say someone comes and wants to have a love reading and I see something related to his health. I will not talk about that. Interesting. Because I'm not asked for.
1: They're really the Sherpa of the experience. That's
0: what it should be because I'm an advisor and here comes the king or let's say the client who's my king at that moment. Mm -hmm. And he wants to have a specific answer on a specific question. Of course, Especially in the Western world, because we're not so familiar with the concept, although we had that in ancient times, mm-hmm. especially the Greek and the Romans had this concept. Although in the Western world, a lot of people come and say, just read my face. I'm curious or I'm lost. Read whatever you want to. And throughout the reading, we develop a path and then questions show up. When I work in Asia and people know what I do, they come 90% with direct question,
1: A very specific agenda, A very
0: specific agenda. And they want to know exactly what's going on here.
1: Do you think, is that more culture just because that's the culture or do you just think it's because they're more informed with face reading and they understand the accuracy that you're able to deliver on?
0: Another good question. I guess it's both mm-hmm. on the one hand, when you look on for example, on Chinese, they're extremely pragmatic. Extremely. You see that how they copy stuff, for example. They see, oh, it works. It's good. You can make money with it. Come on, let's do that. And this is a little bit their approach to everything. Oh, he knows something. He can give me advice. I have an issue here. Let's ask him. So it's not lot like mingling around here. Let's, oh, let's see if he's good. Let's get an answer and then we'll see if it's an answer of value.
1: So do you find that in the States? I mean, I I just know some some of the friends that I've shared my experience with you and I talked about you and everyone at first is very cynical and, oh, you know, they take your money too or whatever their cynical response might be. But some of those same people I've introduced to you and you've blown their mind. How often are you having to spend uh, quality time trying to win somebody over?
0: First of all, maybe a some a very interesting observation so made by a chinese very old man company owner ceo extremely successful he once told me we were discussing about the states and europe and china and he said you know eric europe is a museum and i said and north america united states it's a playground so Of course, there was a little bit arrogance in that, Mm. but he was not so wrong. So, for example, if I do what I do in Europe and someone never heard of that, very often I'm confronted with skepticism Mm. and that blocks everything. Yeah, That's a museum. It's like this. It was always like that. You come up with something new. That sounds like this. I made up my mind already. Thank you. In the US, you might meet skeptical people but they still have this kind of curiosity from childhood or from pioneer time from whenever in their DNA. So what really face reading? How does that work? But come on, show me. Ah, it's like this. Okay. Can I learn that? So it's more like this. The reaction is more like that. And to blow their mind. Yeah. That is a very often, often happening in the U S
1: any examples of people recently that you've had experiences reading their faces that you blew their mind.
0: Of course, I just have to recall a little bit in my head whom I can talk about and, <laughs> and whom not. Yeah. See, very often I work a lot with entrepreneurs and CEOs and very powerful people. And for the most, I cannot talk about. Sure. Some allow me to to use me as an example when I deal with another CEO as a reference. Very often they ask me, can you tell me something that you cannot find in the media about me? This is to prove how good I am. Mm -hmm. Well, my first answer is, I don't know what's in the media about you. I mean, of course, I know a little bit about you in the media, but I cannot read all the articles that have been written about you. So there might be 2,600 information about you in the media world, and now you want me to find 2,601. So that is a little bit of a problem. But I, of course, can stimulate my brain a little bit and think, oh, maybe nobody knows that. So for example, I spoke with a tech guy in Silicon Valley and he was very skeptical, but his wife was really happy about the reading and she made him doing a reading session as well. And he said, yeah, come on, tell me something about me that people may not know. And I said, oh, okay, well, let's say you're in tech, you are an entrepreneur, so we can relate that to a lot of talents, like uh, creating things, being creative, being a warrior in the sense of businessman and so on. An explorer. But maybe what people do not know, you like gardening. You like nature. And you like to create something in nature. And he immediately started laughing. And I said, was that too much? Or And he said, you know what? When I come back from work, the first thing I do, I go in the garden and look for the zucchini and all the stuff, how they look <laughs> like. And that nobody knows.
1: What was the tell there? How did you know? What
0: did you see that gave you that insight? So, There is never like something like mind reading, so you always have to combine. And so he showed two aspects in his life that are related to that. For example, he showed pragmatism. So Chinese say he has the talent of the hands. Mm -hmm. That can be practical or pragmatism. And you find it in a lot of jobs when people act with the hands. So he's pragmatic. And then I could see he has a nick to nature. So part of his face are related to a nature-loving personality. So if we would have pictures, we could maybe look at that, what that means. So, but nature and pragmatism, I mean, he could he could cut wood as well. He could be uh, maybe um, leading you through a national park or something. That could be too. But it just came up in my mind. He's working all day long, and he has this talent, and he looks like he lives his talents. Some people don't do. Mm-hmm. So there must be an outcome somewhere, and that was just the one that was closest to me.
1: When you're giving advice like you're giving you know, giving powerful people, billionaires, famous athletes, entertainers, Mm -hmm. people in government, you're giving the people that run the world in one way, shape, or form or another, and you're giving them advice. How are you able to discern with what they're I guess should be doing versus what they are doing? Does that make sense, that question? Or should be
0: doing is not so easy to answer. Yeah. But first of all, just to show them what they are doing is already very powerful because sometimes people are not really aware of what they are doing regarding and relating to their personality. Mm. So you do things that are not really you and to show that someone and can explain it is already powerful Mm. because that might be for a clever personality, street smart or high IQ, both maybe a first way to change and do things in a different kind of way. So, for example, another example, I had a Russian oligarch as a client. Mm -hmm. Not a nice person, I have to say. And he even loved that if I uh, told him, you're not nice. (laughs) So, he always said, Eric, what's mean on me? And I said, almost everything. (laughs) And his answer was, ho, 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 ho. So, he loved that even. And then I said, yeah, you live your character. You don't live your personality. And you created a very mean character because you think with that character, you succeed in the world. And you did a lot, that's true. But at one point you will lose. And he said, oh no, it helped me a lot. I looked at him, I think four or five times in a row, like in between two years. And I always saw how badly he behaved in terms of his sons. He was a really, really mean father. Let's say this in short words. And how he treated his sons, I didn't like. Because I know that has an effect on the world as well. So one day I told him, listen, I want to ask you something. My question is, the way how you treat your sons, do you think that's okay? Because that's character stuff. You want them to be a warrior, or what's all behind that? And he said, "Yeah, got to be strong. One day they're grown ups, and then I want them to be like warriors like me." And I said, "Aha! Uh-huh. Let me ask you one question: How was your father?" And he said, "Oh wow! If you would have seen him, you would think I'm an angel. He was even worse." And I said, oh, wow, I'm deeply impressed now. What do you think about your father? Well, you know what? The day he died, I almost celebrated. And I said, oh, interesting. Um, so here's my question. Do you think your boys will celebrate when you die? He uh, looked at me with eyes all over, and they looked at me like that. <laughs> you and almost I,
1: died that day. <laughs> and, I,
0: and he said, at one point, you know, he's pragmatic and clever. So he said, you know what? When I'm dead, I don't care. And then I said, okay, then let me ask you a different question. Let's say you end up in a wheelchair. And then he was nervous, and he said, can you see in my face that I end up in a wheelchair? I said, no, there's no sign for that. So, (laughs) no, you said it. So, and I said, no, honestly, this is impossible. You cannot read something like that. And he said, okay, yeah. And I said, so what happens when you're in a wheelchair? Do you think the guys will take care of you? So, he didn't say anything anymore. Next time I was there, which was three months later, one of the guys, his sons, came from basketball and he asked, so what's the result? La, la, la. And he gave him kind of 108 to whatever, 78. And he said, your scores, 40. Oh, wow, that's my son. Clapped hands, clapped shoulder, kissed the son on the head. And oh. I saw, oh, wow, look at you. There has been a change in the last three months. So dad must have a little bit internal discussions if the style that he treats his sons is in the right way or not. And, you know, I may not change the father too much. But just that little bit might change the sense a lot.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. So when you give advice to people, I mean typically when you're when they're hiring you, it's usually like forty-five minute to hour sessions, correct?
0: Yes, except some hire me for the whole day. Okay. And okay. just want me around, and then they do an hour here, an hour there. And some that's more Asian world want me for six hours and we have little breaks in between. Gotcha. But the regular session is forty-five minutes to an hour.
1: Okay. And then the types of advice that you're giving them, are you You're reading. So you're like you said, I think earlier, I can't remember if it was just us talking or while we were on the air where you said you're essentially mirroring what you see for them to kind of digest. Do you then go deeper levels and say, Well, here are some steps that you can take to Mm -hmm. improve whatever it is that needs to be improved.
0: Yes. So the advice should be not only mirroring, the advice should also negotiating with the client what could be best for him. Mm. So, for example, I could see just a few days ago that one of my clients has a lot of mental issues. The reason is he's an information collector all the time. Nobody knows that. But I could see in his brain activities and the way how he uses his forehead and his eyes, I could see he's always collecting information. So I come up with things like the first thing when you do in the morning and you wake up, you switch on iPhone and then you check the latest news. And the last thing you do before you go to bed, you do exactly the same. Throughout the day, you collect any information you can get because your brain wants to be entertained. And that is on the long run, not good because you have no empty space. And now you're asking me why you have migraines and why you have no time for anything else like exercising and so on. So my first advice is uh, switch off the phone for a while, which is not so easy. So he said, yeah, you know, I've been at this psychologist. He told me I should meditate. And I said, no, meditation is not a good thing for you. And he said, why? Meditation is a good thing, right? I said, yeah, it's a good thing, but can you do it? Hmm. I'll try it since a year. It's not working out. I said, You need a meditation, but maybe in a different kind of way. People meditate different. There are grown-up men who meditate in a football stadium. Why that? While they're in the stadium, they're totally lost in the game. They are not thinking about their problems and sick mothers and whatever is the problem in the background. Totally lost in the game, and that is meditation as well. So for you, I said, the way you are, You need a goal-oriented meditation. So you're a very goal-oriented person, but we don't want you to think about the job and the business. We want you to think just about this particular moment, being lost in that moment. And he said, okay, so what could that be? And I said, well, the first thing that comes up in my mind doesn't have to be the right advice is archery. You're totally lost in this one shoot you do. It is a kind of meditation and it's goal-oriented. You want to hit right to the center that could be one thing so we negotiate sometimes the answers others are not negotiable so when someone comes and has health issues and i see this guy has let's say stomach ulcer i say immediately go to the doctor (laughs) what are you doing here (laughs) i can give you my advice is go to the doctor
1: so how often do they listen to you though Do you do follow-ups? Do they follow up with you?
0: I have no statistic about it, but it depends a little bit. Some of them, for some of them, it's a one-time experience Mm -hmm. because I'm traveling through, I work in 22 countries and then I do not return. But I can tell you that I, throughout the day, receive so many text messages, WhatsApps, email, and so on. So everybody wants to have kind of a feedback or wants to give me feedback or wants a follow-up. It's really hard to say, but I rely on my clients. So if I give bad advice, I'm done. Mm. I do that 15 years, so <laughs> I, that's my <laughs> reference.
1: Yeah. And how many uh, hotels did you stay in last year?
0: <laughs> 308 in wow, a year.
1: 308. Is that an average? Is that a not high that, year? Or that, no, new? no,
0: that should not ever be repeated again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's Never just again. too much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And what's the focus of 2020? Looking to do more
0: readings here. Looking to do more in any countries in particular. I'm a person who wants to be excited, and and I have this youthful energy inside me, and I want to feed my curiosity, and therefore, I need people who also want to grow, want to self-evolve, want to be aware of themselves, and want to get more out of their life. Mm. And you find those people a lot more in North America.
1: Really? Why is that? I think
0: it's in the DNA. I think it's this pioneer spirit. We come from an old continent and we want to conquer a new one. And therefore, I would be really happy if I can run that business a little bit more often here and want to be based in the US, for example, because my clientele here is of a kind of a different energy. Yeah. Although in Europe, you can meet those people as well. It's more the amount.
1: So if you don't mind, explain a little more about the types of people that you really enjoy reading their faces and i guess you know right away that you're going to enjoy reading their face and or is it until you kind of really get into the throes of the reading
0: well i definitely enjoy people who are very complex and show a lot of contradictions Mm. because those are people with a lot of facets and they have a lot to give in any way one-sided people are boring Mm. so let's say you hear one sentence you look on the clothes and you may see the car, and then you already know like 16 answers. That's not face reading. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, just yeah. guessing. And yeah. it's very often clear, yeah, this guy wears this suit, drives this car, votes for this party, will go to that restaurant, has two kids, has a wife and so on. This is boring. But if you have a, a person with a lot of facets, you know this is a person who can make the difference. Those are people who bring something new to the world or reinvent. They are inventors, initiators, reinventors. And those people I really like to work with. Maybe in a short word, the oldest face reader who was an advisor in the Western civilization that we know was Aristotle. Aristotle wrote not a book because there were no books, but yeah. he wrote physognomia, which is the meaning of parts of your face and a body for a personality. And Aristotle was the advisor of King Alexander. And he advised King Alexander, not only in childhood, but later on as well on his warfares. Mm. And King Alexander listened to him and that was part of success. But at one point he didn't listen. That's why he died earlier than Aristotle, who was older. But this is a little how I would interpret my role. I'd love to be the Aristotle of any kind of King Alexander who might be now 16 or already 25 or mm. 30. I don't know. But I could support his growth in what I know.
1: And how much, like how often can they go to you for advice? Like at, at what point does the advice change, if well, at
0: all? The advice is very often connected to a situation. Mm. And the situation is changing always, right? Yeah. There's only one thing for sure in life, and that is change. Mm. Although we all try to approach in a conservative approach and just want to keep everything the same way. But that is ridiculous because we cannot work against change. So change needs always a new advice maybe. So some may come only once in their life because for that particular situation, I really need advice. For the rest, I think I do myself. Others use me as a mirror, as a ping pong ball and want to have a conversation with me, because it's not the conversation with Eric, it's the conversation with their own personality. Mm. So they need me four times a year because I work on retainer as well. So some people have direct access to me all the time. And out of the blue, I might receive a WhatsApp message. And okay. uh, the question is da, 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 And you <laughs> yeah. have to answer in between latest half an hour, hour. Yeah. And I do that as well. Gotcha.
1: And then when you get that WhatsApp or whatever, that might be a Zoom, you have to get on directly face-to-face with them in order to do that? Or Not if I know the can- person, gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, except it's an emotional question. I met this guy, I feel like then it would be good to see the face. I plan to do this and that, but I'm not sure it's aligned to my usual things in life I could do. Yeah.
1: How much uh, advice do people seek for you from a romantic standpoint? Is it mainly people that are single or is it people that are already together, married or all the above? And if so, how much?
0: Let's say I have three groups. Group number one, relationship reading, they come together. This group is maybe 20%. Whew, that's got to be
1: tough. How often are you having to tell people like, you know, it's not in the cards, guys, <laughs> you know, throw in the towel, cut your losses.
0: Very often it's not an agreement from both, very often it's the wife forcing the husband to come with her. (laughs) And because the husband underestimates the tool of face reading, Uh yeah, come on, I'll go there. But sometimes they come together. I've written in my book, I think, two, three stories about relationship readings and how the outcome was. Mm. And there I can give advice based on what I see on the body language as well, not only face reading. So you can give advice and then you see, okay, here's a trust issue or here is All is okay, so what is your problem? You can see a lot and you give advice on that. The second group are the singles. And the singles are like, oh, what's happening? I'm 34, not married. I always find the wrong guy. How can that be? And then usually I say, well, maybe you don't find the wrong guy, but you fall in love with the personality and later on you find out the character is not what fits me. And then we can discuss how can we do that in a different kind of way based on your personality. So, for example, if I see in a female now, as an example, I see in a female's face that she should be the hunter herself, not be hunted. Mm -hmm. So it's very old terms sometimes, the Chinese use. I tell her, listen. Don't wait for any guy to show up and pick you because those who pick you up are not the ones made for you. If you see those guys and you know, I want to have this one as a partner, you can trust, you have a good gut feeling. Uh, then, very often, I get, oh, yeah, I, right, I have a gut feeling, but I'm a little bit afraid to say, hey, you're the one, come on. <laughs> and I said, well, there are little games that you can play. You stand next to him and you leave your iPhone at the bar, and the guy, oh, wow, let's bring it to her. And then you're connected. So those games have been played in the Middle Ages back to the Romans. It was very often the tissue who fell on the floor, something like this. Yeah. And the third group is definitely a group who a man or a woman comes to a session and says, okay, I have a serious issue in my relationship and I want to ask you, is there something related to my face or to her or his face because I have a photo with me where you can give me an advice on. And this is, I think, the biggest group. Oh, yeah. That's definitely 50%. So it's 50, 30, 20. So how do you
1: do things like, even just now, as we're talking, I'm thinking here, I'm looking at you, we're having a conversation and I'm like, man, what does my face say? Not meaning like, what is my face saying? But how often does that happen? Are you able to carry a conversation and just kind of be in the moment, not when you're kind of face reading versus like reading my face right now?
0: Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting thing because I learned in my first year to switch off. You have to, yeah. otherwise you permanently collect information and vocabularies. Yeah. Just imagine you would be a dentist and now you sit somewhere and you always check the teeth of the ones you deal with. Yeah. Or you are a car dealer and you stop at every parked car in the street, you freak out at one point. So yeah. I'm not reading. If, for me, that's work yeah. and I have to work With my head. And so that's a lot energy that I'm using for that.
1: That makes me feel better. Then I can, (laughs) it's more like people always
0: (laughs) ask me. Oh, so you're a face reader. So how does it work? Read my face. And I said, usually, come on, for me, it's work. If you want to hire me, I do that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 oh, it's okay. But why should I... I always have to confirm what I can do. Mm. No, I don't do that anymore. In my first two years, I was not this uh, kind of hyper trip to show everyone how good I'm in that and show, hey, look, face reading is a cool thing. But now... Uh, i'm old enough to say come on if you believe in cool if you're curious enough to pay for a session cool but i'm not gonna trying to convince you here
1: you don't have to impress invest anymore. energy yeah, you've written how many
0: books have you written by the way all in all it's now book number 15 but it's the first english book
1: Oh, let's talk about the book a little bit do you mind yeah yeah of course. cool i'm excited to read it you still have to did you sign it? hold on i will no, okay <laughs> all right. i don't want to let you leave here without uh yeah so talk about read the face Talk about read the face. Do you mind? Yeah. Tell us about what's in this book right now.
0: Well, first of all, this book is number 15, and it's written in a totally different way. Mm. And I'm very happy about it. It's more US style. Why? I tell a lot of stories in that book. In my other books, they're more like vocabulary books. So this means this, that means this, this plus this means this. Mm. And it's more like explaining people what face reading is and what it can do for you. This book is a lot reading stories that I experienced and... With the stories, you learn face reading because you get into a situation very often very familiar for you because you might have experienced the same thing or a friend of yours, and I explain what I see and where I see it, most of them with illustrations. So you have then an idea of where to look at when you get in a situation like that. In that book also is a little bit explained how face reading became a science because it's an old tradition thousands of years, and now more and more becomes science because more and more universities notice that. Think of face recognition machines and all that. And this also explained... So to give it a little bit more credit to, to what's going on now. And also you have a kind of a chapter that explains how I got into it because people want to know. Yeah. And the last thing, you already get a little bit of insights in face reading itself. I wouldn't say a little bit. I did a few things to make it a little bit more understandable. And you can be a face reader just by reading that book quite quickly and easily.
1: Interesting. Wow. Give me an example of some of the takeaways that people, what are some of the things that people will be able to do after
0: reading this book? If they read that book, the first thing they are able to is to give their feelings, their empathy, their gut feeling, their intuition, to give that a name. So you have a feeling about someone and you don't know where that feeling comes from. With the help of the book, you already know that feeling comes from looking into the face of someone because intuition is nothing else than face reading. You're not intuitive when you see the knee or the back of someone. Mm and because of you've read the book, you, depending on the situation, let's say in every second, maybe even more situation, you already know why you had that feeling. Because in the face, I could see it here and there. Oh, this is a mean person. Why do I have that feeling? Oh, in the face, I saw this and that. So, so this validates the their... Exactly. It validates your feelings. That is one thing. The second thing is it gives you a first idea of the personality of someone, because in the book I developed shortcuts, like by reading, for example, the face shapes that are um, a symbol for our lifestyle, also for the DNA, of course, but at the beginning of life, we all have circle faces, but later on, they change under different circumstances, and because of the face shape, and if you learn that, you already have a little bit of an access to the personality. The next thing is the importance of eyes and mouth that you learn, and then you're more focused on eyes and mouth and a nose or ears or a hairstyle, a haircut is not so important anymore for you because whatever is important in a face is related to eyes and mouth, and that explains a lot more about a person, Hmm. for example, when you fall in love.
1: So how does this affect this skill set that you have? How does this affect your relationships? When you see someone, I'm sure there's a, Beautiful woman walks down the street. Yeah, she's beautiful. But at what point maybe someone that might not have looked so aesthetically beautiful from a distance or once you get in front of them and then you start studying their yeah. face, how did, did they become that
0: much more attractive
1: because of well, things this, that you're seeing in there? A,
0: a quick answer is laugh makes blind. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and yeah. that is the same for the face reader. So let's say I fall in love with someone. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I see, oh, she has kidney issues or she feels over-responsible or she uh, easily gets allergies what would that do with my love mm-hmm. nothing yeah so see at that moment the face reading doesn't really count too much not when you're in it as an observer a lot because you can already see the problems that this couple might create not me when i'm in it because yeah. in my head it's like yeah we can change anything uh, let's see how it looks like in four weeks yeah. <laughs> so this is part of the whole thing but the good thing with face reading is You don't become judgmental. You become more tolerant because you see contradictions in others, in yourself as well. And because you see that, you can act on that.
1: When you talk about contradictions, the second, maybe even third time I've heard you say that, do you mind explaining what you mean by contradictions?
0: Okay. Let's give a very strong contradiction in the Western world is, I think every third has that, maybe fourth, is a contradiction between being security loving and adventurous. And that is a very strong contradiction. Every, I would say 20%, 25% of the people have in our world. Now, in ancient times, that was different. You had to be adventurous. Otherwise, we all would stay in Europe. No one would have gone to North America. Evolution, exactly. So this contradiction is very strong in a lot of people. And to then help and guide that person through that situation, because some need more security, others might need the adventure, is one of the work of the face reader. Hmm. On the other hand, I love contradictions. It makes us individual, it makes us connective to others. Hmm. If we don't have contradictions, we are just one side of a story. And that makes us A, boring, B, very easy to calculate, and three, non-compromising. And I think people, in ancient times have been even more contradictive. That's why I like TV series where you see characters who are not only the mean guy, the angel, who show different kind of personalities. And those TV series are the ones that we love most. You must love Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a perfect example. Just think about the first episode. So you see, I think, five or six couples. They are together. And nobody really loves each other. They're together for different reason. But there's one couple who love each other. The
1: brother and sister. And it's
0: brother and sister. And this is not allowed. So, and doesn't make sense, whatever. So this is very contradictive, but that is life and therefore honest. Wow.
1: So for those who are still having trouble grasping this concept, because truth be told, I kind of (laughs) am. So I think I get it, but I think we're going to manage now to the lowest common denominator of uh, IQ, and that would be mine. (laughs) So let's go with... Is there anyone that maybe a, like a, an icon that's out there now, someone famous that at least the majority of people might know uh, or be familiar with that you would say is a kind of like a contradictory face that you would see that you would find like very interesting? And I know that's a tough question. It might not necessarily be fair. But if anyone comes to mind, I'd love to get. Well, your... I make
0: it I make it very easy. Uh, I'll choose a good actor. OK, perfect. Because. If you have a lot of contradictions, Mm -hmm. you are a perfect actor. Okay. Because you can evolve in any kind of role. Okay. And it's very important to have a lot of contradictions. Now, I see a lot of actors who play themselves. They don't play any other person than themselves. They play their own personality. Mm -hmm. But there are some who have a lot more to give you. And let's take one who I prefer in showing us an example. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. And when you look on his roles that he played in all the movies, big variety. Tom Hanks as well, by the way. So those people definitely have a lot of contradictions, but they found a tool to live their life purpose and their true personality Mm -hmm. by being an actor. But what would you say to the person that's highly successful?
1: They're very affluent that, you know, they've made money in doing one thing, but you're going to come in and tell them, okay, yeah, you're good at. Whatever this might be, let's talk about the tech person before, but maybe gardening is your, I forgot the difference, the character versus- Mm -hmm. Gardening is part of the personality. Gotcha. But maybe that's where they should be. Does that happen or is that-
0: uh, It's not where they should be. It should have space and time in their life as well. Gotcha. Okay. It makes us restless to have talents inside of us and we don't give it a credit and time. So it's not that it should be the main focus of your life, but it should be respected in any other, in any way. That makes you a lot easier. Give you an example, I've been in Cambodia mm-hmm. and I've seen a farmer, okay, rice farmer. And I saw the whole group and spoke with them a little bit on a stop. And then I, I spoke with this one farmer and I could see in his face because I was interested and started reading him without even knowing for him. <laughs> and I see he has the talent of communication. Maybe that's why he talked to me. And he had the talent of singing he's a farmer on a rice field in Cambodia. So this is a lot amount to then live an unhappy life. So I looked at him and he looked happy. And I thought to myself, how can it be? And later on, I talked to him and I found out, evening at the campfire, he starts singing for the group. And that makes him happy because the group enjoys Gives him credit for that. He's the authority for that moment. And that is enough for the whole day. While we are very often pushed in the Western culture to live our talents to the bone or even ignore the talents, but being forced by determination and strong will to do something different. This to find out and then help people to find their way, living the talents maybe in a hobby or in a private life.
1: So how often, or let me ask you this, how granular can you get with your insights? you know, when you're evaluating and you're just giving an example, like potential girlfriend or mate, oh, maybe she's got a kidney issue or this or that. How granular of the insight are you able to get to be able to see this malady or sickness that someone might have?
0: Is that more a question in terms of percentage or I think it's a little bit philosophical, right? So sometimes you hit exactly the point of, not sometimes, I have to say, and I'm confident enough, most of the time you hit the button the trigger. Really? Because you just take care of that person. You try to understand that person. You have a discussion, excourse with the person, and then you find the point, sometimes together. And here and there, we are a little bit lost as well. But then it's a big secret, Hmm. maybe also for that person. Sometimes the face is not willing to talk about it. I see that very quickly usually. Someone comes to me and says, Eric, tell me everything about love life, for example. Uh And I say, you know what? Your face is not willing to talk about it. And then they say, what does that mean? Do I have no love life? And I said, no, it just means your face is not expressing what's going on in your love life. And I do not know why, but it's related to your brain because your brain is connected via the facial nerve with your face and your brain is not willing to give me an information outside.
1: Is that just an in the moment thing, or that is something just in general? That Sometimes that's that person?
0: It, it could be a general thing for that person. Mm-hmm. It could be that now that person don't want to show. Maybe it shows next year, when something has been digested from the past. Could be too.
1: What about you ever you ever able to tell someone like if they're pregnant? or mm-hmm. and maybe they didn't know or you're you're able to tell before it's early stages
0: yeah that's what a lot of women say uh, i've been at this psychic and she told me i'm pregnant and oops i came home and it's true i'm pregnant how can she know that well maybe there might be psychic tools i don't know them mm-hmm. but of course a lot of women would agree a pregnancy changes the face not only the belly Yeah. so and very early why well because of hormones And because of your different hormone cocktail inside you, of course, you have changes. And most of the changes are visible in the face. Hmm. So very often around the mouth, directly between upper lip and the nose tip, and on the forehead, you have kind of colorations that change into a different kind of color.
1: So how much time does it take you when you're reading somebody's face? Obviously, there I'm sure there's some bigger picture things, but how much time do you typically like to study a face and, and what are the things that you're you know, looking for? Do you map it out? I mean, I've seen you, so yeah. I know high level, but I'd love to.
0: Well, if I have a, a session of an hour, I really love to take my time and map it out for 10 minutes, maybe five, because then I'm more relaxed. And I combine a little bit easier. But then there are readings they are called speed readings. So I have five minutes to tell someone what's going on here. Then I have to really speed up and I have no time. I immediately tell you what I see, which might be not always the most important thing. Maybe sentence number five is then the most important sentence. Mm-hmm. But if I have time, I really love to get slowly like an intro of a movie or a book into the situation and then read for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: You don't like to do 10-minute reading, though, right? That's kind of doing a disservice to everybody.
0: True, because it is good for students to learn it, to get a confidence. You learn so many vocabularies, and then you might be not able to have a one-hour reading because you still don't know enough, or you don't have enough confidence to speak with a client for an hour, especially when the client has particular questions or is a very forceful, powerful personality. Yeah. but. The first confidence you get when you read a lot of people in a row for five minutes. This is, by the way, one of the tests that you have to do when you're a face reader. So people queue up and you read five minutes each of them. It also tests you how can you deal with different kind of personalities or let's say energies or with different issues because everyone who queues up might be of a different kind and a different question. Mm. But in that five minutes, it's a little bit like an appetizer that you give, yeah. you might be able to give someone an appetizer and think, hey, think about this, do this. Yeah. What about the energy?
1: So I've seen you after some readings and you're like on top of a cloud and then there've been other times where I've seen you and it's like, it looks like someone took a syringe to you and pulled all the <laughs> pulled everything out of you. Can you expand on that?
0: Well, first of all, that's my mistake then. So if I feel I'm not prepared for that reading now and I still go into that reading, because I'm running out of energy, I'm stupid. I mean, it's the same like you take part in a marathon. Already, you know, I will not be in the top 20 in this marathon, but I'll take part in it. Why do you do that? So it is a little bit of this ambitious nature that I still have inside of (laughs) me. You
1: can't fight it, huh? (laughs) And then I can't
0: fight it, but that is not clever. Uh And sometimes that's happening to me. It's not happening as often as it did before because I now don't have to do every reading yeah. in, in ancient uh, ancient times. And years before, I was happy to have my readings. So it's not happening. Then sometimes I'm drained because... The question that has been asked is so complex that I have to combine so many vocabularies and then ask my brain as well, oh, what does that mean now? And couldn't it be? So I drain myself.
1: You got to explain that to me. That question just went over my head. So a complicated question that they might ask that you're having to kind of combine different areas of the face to be able to regurgitate the right type of answer. Can, Can you give me an example of a question that might be asked of you that would fit that (laughs) description? For example, um, a
0: client comes to me, that happened in Switzerland, back pain in the shoulders. Okay. I've been at all the doctors everywhere. My back pain, nobody can find a reason for the back pain. So I got massage therapies. I was scanned, all this stuff. It didn't work out. So I collect signs and then a lot of signs don't make sense like why does this guy have shoulder problems? Doesn't make sense, I can't see that. Then I see signs that might be related to shoulder problems because he's taking always responsibility, but that is more philosophical answer. Will I tell the CEO oh, now you have shoulder problems because you take on too many responsibilities? If he's not open to that kind of point of view, does it make sense to tell him? And so on and so on. So you combine all what you see and then you have an inner discussion with yourself to then find a way how to explain it, but also maybe to find a reason not with the CEO, but I had in, uh, I think it was in Austria, I had a a woman where I could see she had back pain issues because she suffers from osteoporosis. And because she was in her late 20s, no doctor was aware of that in the sense of- They weren't even thinking about it. No, because you don't think about a 26-year-old shows first signs of osteoporosis. So they treated her for, for a lot of things. Tension to muscle and so on and so on, right? And nothing worked out. And I saw the signs of osteoporosis and I said, please go back and make a test for that. Test uh, the amount of calcium in Mm -hmm. the bones and stuff. And yeah, and that's in the end, what was the the, the reason? And then she was treated at the doctor's place for that reason.
1: So I don't know if you remember this, one of the, we've talked so much, but a question that I'd asked you, your answer blew my mind. I asked you, How the hell do you remember all of this information, the amount of insights, the amount of things, and the color that you're providing, and the just information that's in your cranium that you're able to deliver to these people?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How do you do that? Do Mm -hmm. you remember what your answer was?
0: No, not really. That must have been three, four years ago, right?
1: (laughs) So your answer was, you don't. That's what I would have said
0: now. Yeah,
1: so you said that you don't, that it's just the face talks to you that it communicates.
0: Yeah. Can you explain that? So the face talks to me, so the face is the dictionary as well. If I try to remember all of that, I'm lost in my vocabularies. So it's like a more lively talk that you have in a new language. Let's say you learn Spanish. Uh-huh. You never spoke that before. And now you meet a Spaniard. You wanna to talk to him. Then you start in your head, okay, I wanna tell him this and that. So what's the right vocabulary for that? Hmm. How am I gonna do that? If you do it this way, You will never have this chat. But if you just start and use words, maybe in the wrong way, but you get your chat. And out of that, you have a connection. It's a little bit like this. I hope you can understand. So I can't remember all of that. Chinese old masters usually are even worse than that because at age, you might lose a little bit of your memory as well. So they always have a thick book next to them where they just research and explore what that means because they totally forgot what that meant. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be patient and you sit in front of this Chinese master and wait for five minutes till he gets the page (laughs) with the right answer. Wow.
1: You've already, it's ingrained in you already? And is that what's happened? Like you've already experienced enough of these situations so by now it just comes to you.
0: I trust on the moment. Yeah. I trust on the information stored in my brain Mm -hmm. that at that moment show up. That is a lot of self-confidence then. Yeah. It really worked out mostly all of the time. And when, if it's not working out, I ask myself, oh, why didn't it work out this time? Why couldn't I remember that vocabulary? Mm. But that, honestly, it happens two, three times a year. That's it. That's so it. it's part of the DNA at one moment. The interesting thing is I tell all my students, listen, I teach you 2,000, 3,000 vocabularies of the face. In a reading, you don't need two 3,000 vocabularies. <laughs> you need four maybe five, to have this conversation.
1: How do you know if you're ever wrong?
0: Well, the client is very straight on that very Mm -hmm. often. If I wouldn't say the right thing or what the client thinks is not uh, correct, they let you know.
1: Yeah, but what about, (laughs) at this point, I trust you to tell me more about me than I know about me. So how do you, who's right? Because well, there are things that you see, I mean, I, again, just being around my family, I've seen you say things that you're right. You're just mm-hmm. right. And they might argue, but I know you're right.
0: Well, the first thing you have to learn, there's never 100%. Okay. And this you have to accept. Yeah. And I do not know any method who offers 100%. So the first thing you have to accept is this. So you might be wrong here and there. A second thing is with an advice, you, there's a higher chance you might be wrong. I wouldn't say 10%, but 5% maybe. Mm-hmm. Because an advice is already built in your brain, mm-hmm. not related to the face reading, but related to your life experiences. And, oh, okay, this guy should focus more on goals, but meditate. Maybe archery is a good thing. Maybe that's the wrong advice. Maybe mm-hmm. this guy should fish. Yeah. So, right, but that, the advice is already a conversation, a discussion yeah, to okay. stimulate the other side. I do not know when I'm wrong, but people let me know when I'm wrong.
1: Is that ego that's letting you know that you're wrong? Or they're just being
0: When you do the reading, you have to switch off your ego. Otherwise you read the person based on your ego. Mm. This is not a good idea. This is when I mean there we go. There we go. Oh, as well. As well. That's very interesting. When you are an advisor, you very get advice yourself, even you didn't ask for. And the reason is very often a very interesting thing. People Accept the authority that you are in that moment as an advisor, but then once they get the advice, they feel minor, and then they want to empower themselves by giving you advices. Mm. And I think it's a weak sign, because why not retreat a little bit here and there in your life? Why do you always, yeah, why not? I mean, I'm not the superhero. I need advice on a lot of things, and I'm happy. I have a lot of clients who give me advice on different things, and sometimes they wouldn't, and then I ask. I have a lot of talents, but I have a lot of non talents. So I have a lot of things that I cannot do. And then I'm asking.
1: Yeah. Do you feel that it's because of the type of clientele that you have? I mean, you know, number one, people have to afford you. So, you know, they're, for the most part, they're pretty successful. You're, you know, dealing with captains of industry, leaders mm-hmm. of nations, mm-hmm. you know, heads of states, things of that nature. So you're already dealing with a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. Do you think that contributes to?
0: Yeah, could be, but we're talking about the United States now. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different in Europe and Asia. Mm-hmm.
1: But aren't you dealing with the same type of clients there?
0: In the U.S., yeah, but not everywhere on the no. planet. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a totally different thing in Europe or in Asia. In Europe, the clients that I first had were very much encouraged by the books that I've written. Mm-hmm. And you have to read that book, otherwise you wouldn't know me. Mm. And then it was a mouth-to-mouth thing. In Asia, a face reader is common. And my marketing tool is a white guy is doing this. Gotcha. And that was um, uncommon.
1: So I understand that it is more common in Asia, but what about the level? Like you are, from what I understand, there's, and again, correct me, I'm sure I'm going to bastardize this, but there's like 20, roughly 20 different uh, disciplines of face reading. Is that? That's
0: what I guess, because okay. no one ever established kind of a map for mm-hmm. that. But I guess it because I learned eight techniques. Eight. 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 And I observed a little bit what's going on on the planet, and I see that there is a Japanese technique, uh, two, three different techniques in India, another one that has been symbolized in the pyramids, in the hieroglyphs. I know that in Africa, some ancient uh, tribes have a face-reading technique. So to sum it up, I would say there are 20, um, but I learned eight, Mm. and I connect them subconsciously. And sometimes by conscious, because I know, okay, this is about health. So I used just this particular Uh, technique to read that now.
1: Gotcha. And how long did it take you? I know you've been doing this for 15 years, but how long did it take you until you were really hitting full stride at doing what you're doing?
0: Well, having a little bit of too much self-confidence sometimes, I learned that for, let's say, two, three months with my first master. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought I'm ready to rock and rumble. <laughs> and uh, he he really uh, used uh, the break and said, uh, Eric, hey, come on, slow down here a little bit. But I see that in a lot of, of my students as well. I'm not always happy when they come to two or three seminars and then they declare themselves face readers and show business cards and now I read you. Yes, they already can read, but sometimes people have really issues. So I would say it's just a number. But if you really do that every day and you train yourself with new vocabularies and you are willing to also learn different types of face reading, because I think that is very important not to become specialized in just one. I think- Contradictory uh, styles? Exactly. Also, And because you might read different cultures. I mean, my biggest benefit was to learn from so many different kind of cultures and people and to work in 22 countries. That made the whole thing complete. But if you always read the same kind of people in your same kind of community you will have a problem if someone from outside appears. Mm. Same, by the way, with Chinese who read the Westerner. Their stereotypes in their head. And even if they start face reading, they see two, three things, and then they feel, yeah, he is like that, and then they put all in that. So I would say you learn from the very first day, and you can be a face reader from the very first day on, although your vocabulary might be limited. doesn't matter. But you should only consider from what moment on am I really able to lift that as a professional life? Hmm. Or do I add it to what I already do as a coach, as a teacher, as a policeman, as a lawyer, as a psychologist? Because I have people from all that part.
1: You mentioned something that made me think. So how much more difficult is it, or maybe more fun from your perspective, people that are mixed races, multi from all different ethnicities that have come different iterations after the generations. Mm -hmm. Does that make it more complicated, at the same time fun, I guess, in the same way, or is it doesn't matter?
0: First of all, it fears you. So first of all, I'm, oh my God, what am I going to do now? Okay. So, (laughs) Game on. Game on. (laughs) on. (laughs) Will it work? Because it's totally out of what you're used to. When you train in that in Europe, and then you fly to Asia, and then you have this 80-year-old Chinese sitting in front of you. And now read face. Yeah. That's a little bit scary at the moment. Later on, but that's for me, maybe everyone is else is different. Later on, I found out at the beginning, so that was six, seven years ago in Asia, I was even more precise in reading a Chinese than a European because my brain always tried to have shortcuts when I had a white face in front of me. Oh, it looks like my uncle it should be like that. <laughs> While when I had this Chinese face in front of me that I've never seen before and I couldn't compare it with anyone, I had to do the basic work, collecting mm. from everything I've learned. And then out of that, I created an um, even more profound reading. And it teach me then backward to that I should read my fellows more carefully. So that was a good learning.
1: Wow. Are there a certain type that are more difficult, men more complicated, or women are probably more difficult? Th- and... That's
0: for everyone different. Yeah, And of course, when you have someone with mental instability, That's very hard to read because that will create a different kind of micro-expression in the face. And then you're not reading a lot of the personality. First of all, you read the situation. And that is a little bit of a strong challenge. Mm. The other challenge deals only with you as a face reader. So that's why it's so important to switch off the ego and be neutral as neutral can be. Because otherwise, I'm too much influenced by own experiences. And then I would have a problem with this kind of type or that kind of type
1: again you mentioned travel all over the world how many countries did you say 22 22 countries middle east
0: middle east as well what do you do with the women that are wearing the the (laughs) burkas well first of all i do nothing with them right because i could only do eye reading and it's even not appropriate to watch them right so but there is a story in my book read the face where i had a talk at the world government summit in dubai that was in 2017. after my talk a woman with a burka appeared close to stage and said, "That was impressive. I really want to know more about it, and I wished you could read my face, but it's obviously not possible." She said that, by the way, in a very nice Oxford English, mm. so you could listen to and you knew, you know, oh, she must She's have once studied in Oxford, educated, you know, like yeah, it. educated there. So mm. I said, "Why well, I could read your eyes," and she said, "Oh yeah, please do that," and I said five six things about the eyes. And she was blown away.
1: So can you give me an example? example, What can you tell from an eye? I
0: I could see that her pupils haven't been small. They have been large. So by seeing this, I know that her nervous system was stimulated in the way that she's more aware of color, sound, dreams, imagination.
1: Sorry to cut you off here. So then how are you able to, so just the eyes alone, when you're doing a reading, I've got to imagine just that what you're just telling me from what you were able to glean just from Mm -hmm. reading the eyes, Mm -hmm. that level of focus that you had to have to be able to read that, that's got to take some good time on your end just to focus on that. So then how can you discern there's so many pieces of a face, Mm -hmm. eyebrows, forehead, Mm -hmm. nose, lips, Mm -hmm. chins, you know, what about people that have clefts and whatever ears, all these things. So how are you able to do all of this in such a fast amount of time, and I'm sorry answer, to cut you off. The
0: answer is I'm not able. So the answer is focus on four or five things maybe that relate to the question of the client. Okay, right. <laughs> um, Or the client has enough time, then you say, oh, come sit down, I'll, I'll collect everything I can get. Okay. Yeah, Okay. so the eyes were the focus. And that was easy because the eyes are the most important feature in a face. Gotcha. So I looked on the pupils. I could see she's very imaginative, a dreamer. She's more in colors. She's more a creative personality an empathetic personality. While I have very often small pupils that make me the thinker, comparing excel sheets, numbers, stuff like this. Hmm. Stimulated by the nervous system, you cannot stimulate it by the will, except you say, okay, I want to get drunk now. And then you have big pupils. <laughs> uh, but it uh, didn't make sense here. So I could also see the way how she moved the eyes, the way the blink rate of the eyes is. I could see she's a self-starter. Uh, so she, All this by just, just blink rates? Yeah, You're the blink rates and also how she moved the eyes and how they are positioned in the skull because mm. the skull is more or less two holes. And how we position our eyes in the skull is related to your brain activities because it's a muscle all around. Yeah. So I could see that. Then I saw that she had grayish dark circles below the eyes so I know she might have a flu or she might not sleep enough she has definitely uh, a deficiency of iron the mineral this is what I told her and I could see a mall next to the eye which is more a Chinese way of face reading which is called the mall of well, in a modern way, we would say them more flirty, but you could say of the love for communication, being connected with people. She showed that as well. So all those connections written in the book, by the way, I told her in a few minutes and then she was blown away. Yeah. And the funny story, maybe to finish that, is the next day she came to a session with the burqa and she said, I want to have a reading. And I said, yeah, but we have the same problem as yesterday. And she said, yeah, we solved that. I'm going to call my husband. I was waiting next to her. And she called her husband, and he didn't respond. So at the moment, she said, I take that as a yes. And (laughs) she moved the burka. I was surprised because she was definitely in her 40s. I expected her younger because I only saw eyes, but I already had another answer. So she's already in her mid-40s, but she still has this youthful quality. Curiosity, yeah. and then I've read the face. I only had five minutes to make notes, and then she covered herself again. But then I had my notes, so I could read the notes that I did, and then we had our session.
1: Wow, how did that session go? What was the you, know, you got? You can't let this story just go. You, you, drop.
0: you have to yeah. understand. This was a woman who might have studied. I, I didn't ask her in her twenties in England, mm. Cambridge, Oxford, something pretty yeah. much a, a pretty pretty good one, and now she was maybe drawn away from that world and lived in Saudi Arabia, possibly. I don't know. Maybe in Dubai. I I guess Saudi Arabia. And was not able to feed her curiosity. She didn't even have particular questions. She just wanted to explore the whole world, what is visible, and so on. So for her, it was more interesting than, okay, what can you see in the face? Is that accurate? And once I know, I want to know others. And so she then tried to find out what the man looks like and what that means.
1: When you say what the man, uh, looks any man, like. oh, god, gotcha. any
0: man. So she wanted to know okay, I cannot look on, on women mm-hmm. except we meet in a yeah. private situation, but I want to know those guys running around. Who are they? Yeah, interesting. My god.
1: So, what an interesting world you live in. Well, you <laughs>
0: 308 yeah. different a- anything than, becomes normal.
1: Yeah, I don't know if normal. although it's crazy. Yeah,
0: here and there it's yeah. crazy, and I sometimes have to say, yeah, I overdo. Hmm. I really overdo. But it's just the excitement of meeting so many colorful people with different facets. You don't need television if you have that.
1: I can't even imagine. Television and, pales in comparison. And you get
0: to know people to a really deep, profound level. Yeah, I mean, I share with people a lot because you, you're not talking about a life insurance or what happened yesterday or what the weather will be like. You really talk about topics, issues that matter,
1: so talk to me and selfishly in what I do is I try to teach people how to build these world-class relationships. And the best way to do what that I is part of me.
0: I adore that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Thank you. So what I try to get people to do is really to be able to connect on multiple different levels or something that's called multiplexity. So mm-hmm. the more things that you can connect with and talk about the quicker that you can get the relationship deeper. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, I can imagine, but are, are there any things that you can think of off the top of your head by learning this skill set that I could take away to be able to get deeper with people quicker?
0: The first thing I want to give you is a question myself. Mm. How good, and it's really a question, how good is the connections? are the connections between the quarterbacks in the NFL? How good are they connected with each other?
1: Quarterback to quarterback or quarterback to receiver?
0: No, quarterbacks of each team, yeah. Quarterback of Miami with the quarterback of Indianapolis, quarterback of LA quarter- to the quarterback of San Francisco. How good are they connected?
1: Um, I don't know the answer to that. I would think that they would probably, if they were in a room, they could probably share a lot of things in kind because they can relate to each other. from they could. All- Correct.
0: They could, but maybe they don't do. And that is the problem a little bit with the connection. So the quarterback might be really good connected to the whole team, to the receiver, the running back and all that, but he might be not connected with other quarterbacks. Although if they connect, we might have a different game, maybe even a better game, who knows? Mm. So it's very hard to connect the Kings and the leaders because they all have their own mission. And that's the nice word about it. Mm. Maybe they're all on an ego trip but some of them have a legacy, so it's a different life. Yeah. And to connect people, it's might be easier to connect, I call them tribe members, than to connect the kings. Although this is exactly the mission we have to do. We really have to connect the powerful ones to then give it to a higher meaning. Maybe we have to connect the tribe members before that. Hmm. Maybe. But first of all, we should not even think about it. We have to connect people. Too many people live their life in a kind of serene way of unique secrets. I mean, not a lot of people share a lot with others. Not at all. Not even in relationships. A lot of people live together and have no idea with whom are living together here. Why do you live together with this guy? Well, you know, people should get married. Why? You cannot Hmm. question. Yeah. Yeah. So to connect people is a way to get to know people and to make the world a better planet. It's hard to do something bad on someone if you're connected to that person. Yeah. Still happening, but not as much.
1: Yeah, well, it's unfortunate. Most people, the only time that they really look to connect is when they need
0: something. Exactly. You know, not, calculative.
1: Yeah, not in a proactive uh, approach. Absolutely. But, yeah, and
0: see, this is why I adore that. You're really on a mission, and it's an adorable mission. It's an important mission, and not only to make the world a better place, but also to make people aware: hey, it's good to be connected. We can all, it's a win-win situation. And don't always think about what do I gain out of this connection. Also think about what can I do for that person? Because out of the blue, and if you believe in the Bible, yeah, it's written even there. What comes in comes out at one point. And the interesting thing is that I meet, I have a lot of clients of mine who are not connected. In the way, they are not really connected with a person. Maybe with the wife. Let's take a few of my CEOs, they have no friends. They have so-called friends, but that's not really a connection. When they talk, they talk about the usual things. I would share with a friend a lot deeper things. So why is that? It's also because of how we teach our kids. So when you look on, on U S sports, there's one quarterback. Look on any other sports. There's one picture there's, it's always one and everyone else has to deliver or support or clap. Yes, okay, that's sports, Mm -hmm. but maybe sports like, and that's I think, okay, I'm European, but I think that's why sports like soccer becomes more and more popular Mm. because it is a team that works. Of course, in the team, sometimes you have a superstar, but it's very often the team that makes the title. This is maybe the better approach. I give the CEO the possibility to have a friend for a moment because I understand this man. I read his personality. And that moment, I'm connected to him. Mm. Of course, I would love to see this man connected with others. And that's why I sometimes work for organizations, also in the USA, where they connect young presidents, for example. And they exchange their experiences, not only in business, but also in life. And I like that. This yeah. is-
1: That's a good, that's a great organization. I mean, it's an elite organization and they do do that because a lot of times it is lonely at the top. These people do have to make tough decisions. Yeah. It's not easy to build some of these businesses. They do have to sacrifice some of their life in order to kind of have this modic- modicum right. of success. But at the same time, still doesn't mean they can't connect or to try to be more- proactive in the good that they do or the connections that they make. So true. Yeah. This
0: is uh, an obvious thing. And I think a good step to change, to make changes in the world is to be more connected with each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can see that already. Anyway, at social media, if there was something good with social media, people connect. Yeah. Not always for a good purpose. Yeah. And that the truth.
1: Are there things that people can, little things that maybe if someone is listening, one or two takeaways that they will have that you could give them at least. That they could pick up on from reading a faith.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for asking. I give you one tip. If you want to be connected with someone Mm -hmm. on a deeper level, let's say with your wife, you can save the money for therapy even if you have a (laughs) crisis in the relationship. Listen
1: up, everyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The best thing you can do is to sit, sit down and look into each other's eyes with no noise in the background and look into each other's eyes for five minutes and say nothing. (sighs) When you do that, you connect on a very deep level because the eyes are the window of your soul or the window of your brain, and you develop hormones that are connective. They connect you on a deeper level. And if you can do that, and you do that in a relationship that is working already pretty well, you do that once a week. Just five minutes. That's the whole invest in a relationship. If you have issues, start with two minutes, but then do it every day. And if that doesn't work, you already have a problem in the relationship Mm. because this is the partner you want to share your life with. And you cannot look in his face or eyes for two minutes. Come on, something's wrong then. So for five minutes, once a week, that strengthened each relationship. And now here comes the thing. When you want to connect with any other person, look into the eyes for longer than 30 seconds that is already a connection hmm. but maybe not as deep but it's a connection
1: how do you do that without freaking them out a lot of people can't do eye contact especially i mean I, you know, i love uh someone I, I don't do this often but it depends on what kind of mood i'm in sometimes i'll just turn around in an elevator and just face everybody
0: well the question is do you have to connect with everyone in the elevator
1: No, I do it more just for fun, just for myself, you know, because it makes people feel uncomfortable. And it's just me being an idiot. That's
0: why we use very often the language to make people more comfortable. And Uh then we are allowed to look into the eyes. Uh. So this is the best help. So if you want to look in someone's eyes at the beginning, maybe it's a good idea not to be silent. But if you talk about something and look in the eyes, it is natural.
1: Mm. What does it tell you about someone when they can't look in the eyes?
0: Can be a lot. Can be a mental issue can be even a disease, can be someone who cannot focus, can be someone who has something to hide, Hmm. can be someone who don't want to be connected to you because this person feels like that person will steal my energy, can be um, because the person is now stressed out for some other reason and don't want to focus on that. There's a
1: big variety in it. And are you able to (laughs) pick this up from people, Like which it might be, what you're able to discern the differences?
0: If I have enough time by observing a situation, yes, I think I could pick that up easily. If it's a one one situation, I might read the micro-expression to find out what's the reason for that. Or, you know what? Sometimes I just ask because it costs <laughs> yeah, me not? energy. Yeah. Why should yeah. I find out in the face what's going on? Yeah. I should ask. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Man, you do a lot of different types of readings. Are there any in particular that you're most fond of? Whether it's when you get hired to speak at a conference and then you do those breakout sessions that you're talking about, or you get hired as the consultant to spend a day with somebody, or just those hour-long readings. Are you partial to anyone?
0: I think the reason why I love that job is the variety. And it's really every month is a different month. So Mm -hmm. every month might be of a different headline. So more or less, I work for five different type of organizations or people. So one are in the high tech, Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Others are in finance. Others are in hospitality. Others are in law enforcement. And I also have a group that is in health, alternative medicine, integrative medicine. Mm. So I think those five are the groups that I work most for. And it depends on the month where I have my focus on. Of course, New York would be more finance than uh, Mm -hmm. any other place, right? And then it depends on the group that I'm working for. What is the main focus on? It's very interesting when I work in Silicon Valley, it's a lot about self-awareness. While in New York, it's more pragmatic and say, hey, uh, which one should I hire? I have an issue with this one, but he's good, but maybe I don't like him. I don't know. And we have this one. Can you assist me in the interview? Or can you assist me in a contract talk with a foreign company? because I need a second advice on how trustful they are, for example. Mm. Or law enforcement is hiring and they say, I want you to train those three or 10 or 20 policemen in observation and profiling or in interview a criminal. Or hospitality is uh, hiring me. They want me to take care of their team to make the reception more successful to give them better skills so they have a better access to the clients or to be in that hotel and then be available for the tourists or for for clients to have a different experience in that kind of health retreat, for example, or a different kind of retreat anywhere on the world. So even in Hawaii, I
1: work. Um, Sounds horrible. Sorry to hear that. Why that? I'm being sarcastic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, got it. See, I could see you with this. Uh, I'm hiding. I'm hiding so you can't see me. And then the health health thing is I'm very often assisting then someone who does integrative medicine or alternative medicine by what the face also tells us. Of course, the face cannot be as precise as uh, a blood test then at one point. For example, you can see in a face maybe liver issues but you then have to define what kind of liver issues. Mm. But a lot of people come to the doctor and say, oh, I have belly issues. You could be a little bit more precise on that with the help of the face. So those are the five groups I work most for. But then in the group, there might be different needs. Some do that for self-awareness. They want to improve their private life, also business life, but just me and him or her Mm. and no one else allowed in that two, three, four, five hours a week, a year. And others want me to do team building. Others want me to solve a problem in a team. Others want me to pick the right person for the right job situation. Others want me to support the youngsters in what they want to study, for example. Then some choose me for contract talks to have a little bit more of more an assurance. So the variety is endless. And it really depends on the company, organization, or person that I work for. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh,
1: that's a lot. I would think that from a parenting standpoint, how important that must be the insights that you're giving, you know, getting back to like what you talked about with the Russian gentleman, the oligarch that you'd worked with. I'm surprised that more people aren't tapping into that, or are they?
0: Not as many as you would think. And it's uh, another thing. So I advise CEOs and entrepreneurs who are extremely clever and street smart and intelligent. Sometimes I ask myself, why do they not offer that to any uh, spouses? Mm. And they don't do. It's almost like that's my Mm. crown jewel. I don't want to share that. Networking, we have Mm. another thing here. Mm. Or they don't even think about it because uh, they found something for themselves and then they work on that, not thinking left or right, which is at one moment... Understandable. I would do it different. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, Eric, I got to tell you. Well, you've already agreed to come back another time and read Hopefully. someone's face. Oh, cool. On camera, which I think I cannot wait. That's going to blow people's minds. I've got a couple of people. I'm not going to say any names yet that we're interviewing to see if they're worthy. I really appreciate your time. The amount of time that you've shared. This is a, a significant amount of time. The insights that you've shared. Spending time with us. It's just been awesome getting to know you as a person. I mean, you're just a special guy with a huge heart that's put on this earth to do a lot of really good things. You, you, like you said, you mirror people, you help people, you give them so much insights, and you're making the world a better place. And how it, you, you know, and the, then how it—I can't even first stay with my new tongue. <laughs> than how you came to this world, and that's awesome.
0: Thank you, Dito. I'm very, very happy that I could have been here a person who's networking and puts so much effort in it and so much heart is a special person and I just had to come, therefore. So thank you for having me. Awesome.
1: Thank you. And guys, anyone listening that's interested in getting in touch with Eric, I'll have all that contact information in the show notes. And any of you entrepreneurs that are looking to make a huge difference, not to mention make a huge uh, deposit into your bank, contact him about this app. I think this is fantastic. Get on that. Make it a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network. The ones who succeed
0: will network wise.